We're joined again with our friend Jen Wilkin, wife, mom, Bible teacher, and author of the fabulous book, Women of the Word, How to Study the Bible with Both Our Hearts and Our Minds. The book turned four years old this summer, and it's already sold 200,000 print copies alone, an amazing achievement. We talked about the book last time, but today I want to talk about your blog, Jen, because you caused quite a stir uh, with a 2016 article titled, The Instagram Bible. You opened that piece by writing this, quote, Beware the Instagram Bible, my daughters, those filtered frames festooned with feathered verses, adorned in all matter of loops and tails, bedeckled with blossoms, saturated with sunsets, cold and curated just for you. End quote. Wow. So so what is the Instagram Bible and, and what, what was the warning you were sounding in that piece? I've noticed that on certain social media platforms, people have a propensity to cherry pick scriptures more egregiously than elsewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And so if you're a woman on Instagram, your feed is a Christian woman on Instagram, your feed is going to be clogged with these hand lettered verses that are scrolled and um, embellished and, and they really are lovely and suitable for framing. But uh, they're often pulled completely out of context. I think that they can create the illusion that we are interacting with Scripture in a healthy way. But if you think about it, you're only going to hand letter certain kinds of verses out of the Bible. And the Bible is full of many different genres and covers many different subjects. So for the purpose of the post, I tongue-in-cheek created an Instagram frame quoting about the cutting up of the concubine that you find in the, the book of Judges. And I think I offended every hand letterer on the internet by doing so, which was not my intent. Honestly, I love that people create beautiful art that is celebrating beautiful passages in scripture. But when we begin to succumb to the illusion that all of the Bible is Instagram worthy and is inspirational, that's a dangerous place to go to. The Bible should exhort and convict, not just warm the cockles of our hearts. So women, I think in particular, are drawn toward wanting an emotional boost from what they're reading in the moment. And I don't know that that's a uniquely feminine problem, but it does seem to color the pages of Instagram. And so I wanted to challenge women in particular to think about what they're reading and and to um, read what comes before and what comes after the verse that they're seeing put into a frame out there. Uh, but it's not really just an issue with social media. It's an issue with how we read the Bible in general. Yes. Uh, the Instagram Bible presents a devotional view of the Bible, and exclusively so, almost exclusively so. And the Bible does not lend itself neatly to devotional reading on many of its pages. And if all scripture is God breeds and profitable, we should be reminding ourselves to spend time in all of it versus loving certain verses or certain passages to excess. Such a good word. Uh, how else has, has social media changed our private Bible reading? I'm thinking of, uh, 
you know, personal devotional setup where the coffee cup is, is full. It's in a choice mug. It's the coffee's been creamed to the perfect shade of soft brown. <laughs> and the whole setting is staged like a Thomas Kincaid painting with light beams of sunrise inspiration beaming from one corner. Uh, the, the arrangement is perfect. What do you say about this, this staging of the devotional setting? Yeah, I, 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 I kind of get a kick out of seeing what women will put out there. Honestly, a lot of times it's one of my books with a coffee cup next to it. So I have, I have mixed feelings about it uh, because I do think it is worth noting to take Instagram for what it's worth. I actually refer to Instagram as the last happy place with social media because it's, it's still a place of optimism. But when you see it as a place of realism, that's when you run into trouble. And so to understand someone is creating a vignette is different than saying, oh, my goodness, her life is so perfect. So to see it almost as a lay level art form, that does not offend me. But to believe that someone's life is that picture perfect is is where the problem comes in. And I hear people report frequently that Instagram is a source of woe to them because of the comparison issue. They compare their lives to other people's and they feel like their life comes up short And I would say that's to miss the point of Instagram, but also obviously be aware of your own weaknesses. And if that's an issue for you, then get off Instagram. But for those who understand it as, yeah, it is offering sort of an idealized version of our lives. And as long as we can acknowledge that, we can take it for what it take it with a grain of salt and enjoy it uh, like we would enjoy uh, other forms of, of art, but not ask it to be more than it is. Well, speaking of uh, of things radiant, you have a new book, In His Image, Ten Ways God Calls Us to Reflect His Character. In it, you wrote this, quote, Everything we say or do will either illuminate or obscure the character of God. Sanctification is the process of joyfully growing luminous, end quote. I love that. Explain that quote for, for us. What, what do you mean by that? I think that we don't always consider how our understanding of God will either make us into saints or heretics in the way that we communicate about him. And so the reason that I wrote uh, in his image and actually its predecessor, none like him, was because my common admonition to people when they sit down to read the Bible is to read it as a book about God. And that's a very obvious statement to make about the Bible. And I have never met a Christian who would disagree that the Bible is a book about God. But what I have found is that when it comes to our practice of reading, we often read it as a book about ourselves first. Hmm. And some of that is because we've been told to do so by well-meaning people. But the other impetus there is just that we we tend to think that the whole world is about us just by default. And so when we come to the scriptures, the next obstacle that I found that men and women ran into after recognizing, oh, right, I do need to read this as a book about God first, was that we have an atrophied vocabulary about the things that are true about God. Hmm. We don't have minds that are trained to look for his attributes when we read. So I wanted to write uh, on basically the doctrine of God in a way that was accessible and that would help people to recognize how their words or their actions or their thoughts were either pointing people toward Christ or obscuring who Christ was. Because the, the unbeliever is not going to pick up the Bible and read it. Not unless, you know, there's already some process in place where they're already feeling pulled by the Spirit. And so that means that when they wonder what Christianity is about, they're going to look at us. Not only that, but for the building up of the body, 
relationships between other believers, we need to be able to look at one another and see the character of God emerging in us through the process of sanctification. I wanted to write a book or actually two books on sanctification because I am learning increasingly that in the communities of believers who call themselves gospel-centered, we often think of the gospel as justification only. We understand that we have been freed from sin's penalty, but then any conversation about obedience to God can be very quickly labeled as legalism. And I believe that the gospel is good news in our justification and in our sanctification. Uh, And I would say also in our glorification, of course, that sanctification has been a missing piece of the conversation for many of us in the gospel-centered movement, that we have um, perhaps talked less than we should about the beauty of the work of the Spirit in the life of the believer to re-image us, to be the humans that we were created to be. Amen. Obedience and justification are inseparably tied together in our union uh, to Christ. That's a good and timely word for the church today, Jen. Thank you. Jen will be back one more time with us because I want you to explain to us what you mean by the Xanax approach to Bible reading. Oh, my. This is also a trend you've seen crop up in Bible reading, and it's it's shaped by social media, and I think these patterns are really important to address. We'll do that next time on Monday when we return with Jen Wilkin. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. Have a great weekend.